0: in the long term, I do think that like the unlock of just owning stuff online is so big that the value generated is going to be in inordinate amounts bigger than kind of like anything we're talking about right now. (laughs) Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Floorcast, episode 78. And as always, it seems, I'm joined by Chris Kay. How are you, man? Hey, I'm good, thanks. Happy 4th of July, by the way. Um, not sure if you did anything to celebrate,
1: but um, just coming off the holiday, trying to work out what day of the week it is. It was fun.
0: I actually celebrated by not having many emails after 5 o'clock UK time, which was fantastic.
1: That is good, like all the Americans, they love to just go and eat hot dogs and blow
0: things up with fireworks. Sounds good. I did see a lot of Instagram stories, B-reels, blah blah blahs, tweets with lots of fireworks, which is fun, very fun. And I did see an incredibly funny meme that I did send in the floor, Slack actually, which was, uh, I don't know if you saw it in Random Chris, which was, have fun working tomorrow England. Uh, and it was like a dude on a horse with a sword, and it made me laugh quite a lot. Uh, um, I that's, think that that's the most dude was the closest George I got to 4th of July. Oh, was it actually?
1: I think so. Like, uh, I always get them confused. Was it Washington or Lincoln who did all this stuff? I think it's Washington. Um, whitehead, you, you, you dude, you are right. I think. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, what have you been up to this week? Um, Not too much. So last week was sort of fairly busy at Floor. We had everyone in town. We did our hackathon. That that was just a lot of fun. Like, I think we had a lot of really cool and well-executed ideas for a team um, so small. So excited to see where those are going, if any of them make their way into the product. Use sort of a nice mix of sort of technical stuff that helps us do our jobs and just move faster as well as sort of things about, like, how do we make sort of features of the app i discover more useful? Um, but yeah, really excited coming out of that. Um, we've got a solid plan for the next quarter or so. Um, and uh, I think our users and floor app um, aficionados should um, enjoy seeing what's in store. Did you win? Did I win? Uh, I mean, it, it's not all about winning, Pat.
0: Um, but did you win? Oh, yeah, of, of course I won. Okay. Like, why, why, why the surprise? I don't know. I'm just asking, man, because you were you were Bookie's favorite. And we sometimes, you know, an underdog story can happen. And I would just wanted to know if that happened. Colwyn, if he was here, um, would be sort of, I
1: think, um, telling everyone his team won. They did. But, you know, very few of us actually won two trophies. Um, sorry, Colwyn. What were the two st- trophies you won? Just two different projects um, I was working on. So one was around merchandising with Christine and team, and then another was just around improving the experience in-app for folks
0: who actually like to look at their NFTs and not just track the prices. That's cool. Nice. You are killing the game, Chris K. Fair enough. (laughs) And um, what's the um, air quality like at the moment in North America? Because... As you know, I, I was in Toronto earlier this year, and I seem to have left Canada at the, the, the correct time because I read that they have had forest fires 20 or 200 times more often and frequently and bigger than they usually do at this time of year, which is crazy.
1: Yeah, um, this week, well, today it's bad again. I think that the air quality is around 150, which is unhealthy. You can definitely sort of, I think, sort of feel it when you're outside for a bit. Your throat gets all scratchy. Last week wasn't so bad. I think it was like more like sort of 50 to 100 range. And um, we went on a boat, um, air quality be damned. And uh,
0: we did a few things outside. And th- there I didn't really notice it as much. And like, what's the projections on when this is going to stop, Or is it like all natural disaster or natural climate related things? Like you just kind of never know.
1: So it's related to the forest fires in Canada. So um, every time the wind sort of blows in our direction, and you get sort of like the right combination of high and low pressure, that sort of sends all of the smoke to the east coast. Look, like, I think they need to put
0: out the fires. Can the devs do something? Seems like the logical thing to do, doesn't it? Listen, why don't we why don't we get into things because there was a couple of big things that happened. Obviously, last week when we recorded. Azuki had just uh, announced, well, they were very close to their mint. We all predicted that they would mint out. What ensued, however, was, I mean, probably enough for like a whole month's worth of floor casts here, Chris K. Because, again, I'm just kind of struggling to figure out how much can happen in a week. So, first of all, mint happens, sells out. Everyone's like, whoa. Uh, They realize that R is essentially a replica of the original Azuki drop but like slightly different, a little bit more human. Azuki obviously crashed in price uh, from kind of the 15 range, I think all the way down to the six, if I'm not mistaken. It was like that that uh, dramatic. And Elementals started trading below mint, which was 2E. Um, there was then a green bean airdrop to try and kind of make up for it, which is like the tier three... NFT in the entire Azuki kind of IP ecosystem. Or actually, no. That's that's the mysterious and strange part. No one knows what tier that is. Um, so scratch that. The original beans, and again, sorry if you're confused. It the original beans are now tier three IP in the Azuki ecosystem. With Elementals as two and Azuki as like the top tier. So you know, if you're talking Yuga, think Board Apes and Elementals being like the like mutants, and then the beans being like the the Board Ape. Dog kennel type thing, uh, that, that kind of tiering system, but there was a fair amount of outrage. Chris okay, K and I think that's putting it lightly. We even had like an Azuki DAO try to be launched by some of the OGs in that community, try and recoup the twenty thousand ETH uh, from Azuki, and they named Zagabond, one of the co-founders specifically, uh, and their governance contract ended up being hacked because of a vulnerability. Um, that was exploited, and they lost about 36 ETH, I think, before anyone realized. So, yeah, it's been a crazy week on this front, and, um, I mean, what can you say?
1: Yeah, this is all nuts. So, we were talking about this last week, we obviously predicted they'd sell out, I think they sold out in, like, 10 minutes. Um, And I know, sort of, a lot of Azuki holders just didn't get the opportunity to mint. You know, could have been managed a bit better, but... Success. You've made a lot of money, right? But then the art reveal I'm befuddled. Um, I, I really am in terms of um how this happens. And like this makes me think back to um Game of Thrones with the hands. Um you know, it's like how many people's desk did this sort of pass over and everyone was like, thumbs up, sounds good, go ahead and mint. Um, you know, the artwork is more or less exactly the same. Like they should have seen this coming and you know i can totally see why as an Azuki holder i'd be upset as one who tried to mint elementals i'd be upset if i tried to buy them on secondary i'd be upset because now you're sort of just selling me a copy of your original collection and you're bringing down the floor prices of both the new thing and the old thing i i really don't understand it um yeah, like, is this just a cash grab? Is this where we are, where we're just trying to sort of wring um, every last um, amount of ether out of our holders' wallets? Um, it's just very strange. And then the beans, it's like, oh, oh shit, everyone's pissed off. Let's um, airdrop them a bean to sort of make up for it. Like, I'm not sure what's going on. Like, this is one of the few times where there's just not been sort of a semblance of sort of clear leadership or strategy, I think, from the Yuzuki land around this. Like, they don't even seem to be interested in doing um, too much
0: in terms of damage control. Yeah, they did a Spaces, which was uh, very well threaded by a couple of people on Twitter. And I I was just in disbelief by how little care there was. Like, they, they were very much of the... Kind of like, we're still going to build, we're here for the long haul, we really believe in, in this IP and like the expansion of it and all the kind of thing. I'm a bit shocked, like, might really, like, if I had a skeptic hat on here, I'd say this was a company maybe not running out of money, but like someone that was looking at their runway over the next 12, 18 months and saying, we need to like capitalize on our position right now. I just, it just makes no sense, though. Like, what would you have done in this position, Chris K? Do you think, like, they are trying to mitigate some of the, you know, in terms of damage control, some of the mitigation is they want to update the backgrounds for Elementals to make them a bit more dynamic? Like, what would you even do in this position to kind of, you know, make your make your holders happy? I don't know. Like,
1: I'm confused about the art and why it's so similar to the original Azuki's Um You know, was it just a problem where the new stuff wasn't done in time or wasn't up to the right standard? Um, You know, maybe, but then you're controlling when that art gets revealed and you can say, hey, you know, we're going to take a few days, we're going to take a week, and we're going to do the art reveal after that. And, you know, hopefully that would give them enough time to at least sort of get away from the carbon copies they have. You know, everything they do now, the fact that they've released... The art, they've stood behind it, it's backpedaling and it's really sort of purely to trying to appease the holders, which you know, that's never a situation you want to be thrust into as an NFT project where, oh, no, you've done something wrong you need to make up for it. Everyone's expecting various things. I think like everyone's probably expecting different things um, to come out of it. But you don't want to be playing this sort of catch up. You should be leading with
0: great artwork great sort of value, great sort of um utility. The other thing is like they have a really powerful brand. They've survived like uh one of their co-founders being outed as a serial rugger. And even after that they had a NFT property with a really high floor. So like after you fumble the bag once, Chris K, with having Zagabond as part of your team and like riding that Surely, do you think that goes two ways, right? In my head, you'd be like, wow, we got away with that one. Like, let's just never, ever stray close to the line ever again. Or maybe they're like, well, our community doesn't give a fuck if we do anything. Like, look, we have a, a guy on our team who rugged to other projects and people are still buying the shit out of our PF3 project. Maybe they're like, we just don't care.
1: I mean, I think you need to be careful. Like, you know, okay, we gave Zagamon the the benefit of the doubt last year. You know, I, I think that's fair. But you know, now if I'm looking at Azuki and you know, I'm just looking at what they're doing, it's like, actually, is this um, still the project I bought into? to and I believe to? You know, is it more and more turning into one big rug? You know, this drop didn't expand the Azuki ecosystem. The only people able to really get stuff were Azuki holders. And because of the actions of the team, you know, the floor has crashed on both collections. Like, I I think there's a lot of market sentiment um, around Azuki being revealed here. And whereas, you know, a week ago um, people may be a bit bit more bullish now. I I think it's just uncertainty in the sort of
0: long term as to what's going to happen that is driving the price down. The thing is when you've got like a hype like this, it's it's kind of like a trump card, right? And You know, you've now got your three tiers of IP. You've, you've, you've got all the money in and like, if you ever want to raise more, you have to drive volumes and hope people play creator royalties or like find some other sustainable business model or take in VC money. And I do think that it's kind of precarious in the sense that where do they go from here? You know, there was a lot of questions from people on the Twitter spaces that I mentioned earlier about like, you know, what are the plans? Like, are like Azuki holders and elemental holders going to be able to license their characters to anime studios and that kind of thing? Obviously people seeking that kind of direct value feedback, direct consumer. And that makes even, that puts even more pressure on them to do something like that, which might not even be possible after they've kind of lost people money, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I I really don't see where they're going to go. Um, you know, with trump cards, like everyone probably expected that to be a rug going in, but I think like Azuki, as I say, this is one of the sort of serious flu chip projects that, you know, people saw a future for. You know, it's great that they've now got um, what is it, like thirty-four million out of this sale, but they're gonna have to spend probably a non-trivial amount of that just dealing with the lawsuit that the Azuki DAO people are trying to sort of bring on and just Trying to make things whole again. And, like, I, I don't know sort of if you can easily do that when, you know, people have lost money. People who may not have been interested in the project have lost money. People interested in the project are now sort of uncertain. So, thinking, wait, is this thing actually going to happen? Um, yeah, it's fascinating to watch. I think they do have a treasury now that will sustain them through the bear and, you know, hopefully as the market um, sort of starts going in the right direction again, you know, they will have opportunities to sort of carry on the mission, raise VC, etc. But yeah, it's just
0: not a good taste, I I think, in anyone's mouth. And and they weren't the only ones, right? I mean, um, we also had a really hyped mint called Ether happen in the same week. I believe they are also an anime-based mint. I think they were going in at the one E mint price. They had a fairly chunky allow list, but a few days before they dropped, they basically posted on Twitter saying, Ether has always win and always been and will continue to be for the community. Thus, with our direct relationship to the market, we were adapting to continue prioritizing the success of our holders. With this in mind, we're reducing our supply of 10,000 NFTs to 5,555. The current market conditions and sentiment are an all-time low. We recognize this and we and are taking action by creating a smaller, tight-knit community where our holders can prosper through exclusivity. We will maintain our values and integrity as a project that aims to become a metaversal luxury brand. Born to create, create to inspire Ether. You you seem extremely happy and this seems like a, you know, fantastic moment for for NFTs this week, Chriska.
1: No, I like just reading this press release. Like, first of all, like the direct relationship to the market. Like, what do they have Vitalik on the phone uh, saying don't sell or something? Um, I'm confused by some of the wording there. Like, this just reads like so many NFT projects of the past six months, maybe 12 months, um, where, you know, you see azuki you see board apes you see moonbirds selling out selling 10k collections and you think that you can do the same and it's not until like the very last minutes you realize wait hang on i don't have the engagement or you know all my twitter followers are bots or whatever um and you start scaling back um i think there's like a few things at play here like i i think market dynamics have certainly changed i don't think you've got enough people willing to pay an unknown brand one ETH to mint their token. Um, I think people are realizing, you know, value often goes down. And I think you just don't have that sort of speculative nature in there right now. I think the other thing at play is this sort of mentality in NFT land, which is, you know, if my project does not sell out, then it's a failure. Hence, reducing supply, you also have the craziness where like, if I'm putting numbers down, they either need to be a round number of zeros or they need to be all the same number. Five, 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 five just say 5,000. Come on, um, I'm sick of this numerology game. I don't know. I, I feel this is just reflective of the market. And I think it's harder to sell things, harder to draw people in, and you need a compelling hook. And you know, really, uh, for this project, I, I don't necessarily see that hook. I see some anime art that may have came from Midjourney, and then I see
0: some aspirational bullshit. Um, yeah, because there's not been that much information. There's not been that much information about this project, and it's been hyped for a long, long time. And my feeling is that they've probably wanted to wait till market conditions pick up, and then it's uh, it's been a bit of a... I'd be surprised if they do anything big going forward i mean i could be really wrong any final thoughts or
1: no i i mean i think you know it may sound doom and gloom um it's really not intended as that like i think you know nft projects have a future i think you can successfully launch i think it's just the launch tactics that work today aren't necessarily sort of what we've seen sort of 12 months ago not everyone is um, attuned as they were to the speculation, and I think if you're following board apes, if you're following moonbirds, like you're not necessarily putting yourself in the right um, path. Those are highly successful projects. They had great people behind them at a time when the market was of an all-time high. And now you need to adapt to that reality and think about expectations. Think about sort of your supply think about the value that you're communicating back to potential minters. You know, this whole mysterious, "ooh, we're going to be the next big brand, you know, put your money where your mouth is, or at least sort of treat this like you would a Kickstarter project and make a video about how and why your team is the one to succeed.
0: Yeah, I think the market for um, the ooh and R, the speculative, I don't know what this is going to be, is kind of gone. I really do think that's gone and I think Marketing in that way is going to be a lot more and more difficult in the future. Just before we move on, uh, Chris Kay, what's the latest from Floor? Yeah, so um, last
1: week we rolled out uh, Trade Floors to a handful of collections. So now you can get just a better insight into the value of your portfolio. Um, we're gradually rolling those out to more and more collections. So if there's uh, a collection you'd like to see with Trade Floors, then please, please, please let us know and we'll see what we can do about getting that in app otherwise we have some exciting stuff that i probably shouldn't talk about too much coming out towards the end of the month that ranges from some big uh, new exciting features um to just minor enhancements quality of life improvements and stuff that just makes the app better oh and one other thing i forgot if you go into settings of your app you should see a new appearance um section in there. You can now sort of customize the icon, customize the color profile, the banner of the app to suit your tastes.
0: That sounds like a load of fun. Um, can't wait to get my ether drip on there. Uh, let's talk a little bit <laughs> uh, about the NFT market bleeding. Chris K, Bored Apes, Thirty floor, a lot of the blue chips, basically every collection apart from CryptoPunks, I think has been pretty much obliterated how are you feeling right now? I'll answer that in two ways. You know, if I'm
1: someone who has invested into the market and everyone knows I hate that I word, you know, I'm probably feeling a bit down. You know, all of these JPEGs that I was told were going to make me a millionaire are not worth what they were, you know, a month ago or a year ago. You know, I think there it's sort of, you know, it's a fundamental sort of Reflection and sort of re evaluation of the space. Um, you know, I'm not aping into as many projects. I'm being a bit more cautious. I'm sort of seeing what people are doing. Um, if I'm buying anything more recently than not, it's been art. Like that side of um, NFTs seems to have retained their value. And, you know, I think you have a lot of artists doing interesting things. You have things like checks and sort of other sort of novel projects just. Playing around with mechanics, you know, th- that's good to see. But, you know, as a developer and sort of tech person, I'm feeling better about where things are. You know, as the market was sort of popping a year or so ago, so much was janky. You didn't have good fiat on ramps, wallets, um, security. All of these things were sort of the forefront of everyone's sort of mind. You know, people were clicking the wrong smart contract and getting their wallet drained. It wasn't. A good look for the space or anything else now we're starting to see sort of real sort of promise and sort of developments whether that is sort of standards around contract wallets uh, token bound accounts whether it's uh, account recovery like all, all of these sort of things that seem like a good idea are finally sort of turning into reality that you know, are essential for like bringing more people into the space it's so like from a, just a pure technology, pure like infrastructure, pure sort of innovation standpoint. I'm actually feeling quite good, and I, I think like over the course of the year, we'll see more and more of those sort of holes plugged when it comes to sort of usability, security, and other issues that um, folks care about.
0: Yeah, I think I totally agree. I mean, on on that, there was a really interesting announcement recently by Seed Club, who've just announced their latest cohort, and they've kind of pivoted into you know, this consumer-facing crypto investment arm and like looking through the variety of the projects that they've got there, I look at them and I'm like, some of those are probably never gonna work just as investing into a seed company, you know, you get that kind of 10% hit rate or whatever it was. But I did see one thing, Chris K, which was collectpods.xyz, which is where people can collect podcast moments as audio uh, as one of their incubator um, so I'll sign us up for early access what do you think about that? What's the point? I don't know, you tell me you tell me my friend you can have an NFT of like one of your terrible quips Oh yikes, we definitely don't want
1: that but it reminds me of um, those services where you can like mint your tweets it's like is there sort of any value in that?
0: Could be memorable. Could be a big tweet. Memorable? Sure. Um, we're all selling memories on a blockchain in some in some capacity, Chris K. It's like we're telling the digital hoarders, uh, I feel.
1: I, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, in some ways, it's a nice sort of neat novel use of the blockchain. I think I'm more interested in sort of where things go like a few steps ahead. Like now that I have these podcast moments on-chain, what do I do with them? How do I appreciate them? How do I share them with others? Like this, this strikes me as something which you know, I, I think is good to be able to sort of save stuff like that,
0: small snippets of information. I just don't know if on chain is the place for it. I think that's totally fair. Um, back to the market bleeding quickly. I've seen a few interesting, really, really interesting takes. Some people just being like, look, the numbers don't matter. Digital property rights on the internet are the biggest revelation that we've had in the digital realm since social media. I think something I agree with, like I I really do think that makes a ton of sense. There's a lot of other people who have come with a take that like, yeah, this might be the bottom. But actually, if you're trying to strike fear into the market, it's probably the consolidation of the bottom. Like this might be the level that people or or projects trade out horizontally for a long time or they could get lower. Uh, And I do think that's going to mean a lot of projects have to shut down just as a byproduct of running out of funds. And then the last... Really good point. I actually saw LinkedIn, not Twitter, by someone at Thirdweb, which you're a fan of, Chris K. They said something along the lines of, "Any business whose like revenue streams is relying on like trading speculative assets is just not going to be here in the long haul." And so, I think those three lines of commentary are the ones that I've like resonated with the most. The like the short term. Like you're going to have to pivot or find a sustainable business model to survive. The medium term, only few of those will do that. And like a lot of these businesses and NFT projects will die. In the long term, I do think that like the unlock of just owning stuff online is so big that the value generated is going to be an inordinate amount bigger than kind of like anything we're talking about right now. I think for the most part, I agree with that. Like
1: revenue from royalties is, is not sustainable like no one should be building a business on that and like what you tend to see in a lot of markets uh you know you you get the pathfinders you get the people who will go out they'll try new ideas they'll launch products you know maybe they build an audience maybe they fall down totally flat but then sort of in the next phase you get that sort of consolidation you know you've start to sort of see what works, you have big players who obviously leverage that to build a sort of growing business, and then you start to get consolidation. You know, before NFTs, one of the businesses I built was uh, Bar. It was an on-demand alcohol e-commerce platform. And, you know, there we saw tremendous um, consolidation in the space, not necessarily because, um, you know, this other alcohol delivery company has better technology than us, but more because, you know, they have those local networks. They already operate in a city like, say, Boston or Dallas or um, San Francisco. So let's bring them under our umbrella. We'll share, you know, and we'll consolidate our platforms. You know, we've already got a technology platform that works, but we need that sort of word of mouth. We need that community. We need that, that user base. So let's go ahead, buy them. Let's consolidate and, you know, we can be stronger together. And I think you can see a lot of projects doing that. And, you know, since everyone seems to be anime art these days,
0: it's probably easier to do that than anything else. On a real level, like we saw Candy Digital and Palm and FT Studios uh, merge recently. Candy, who raised $100 million at a $1 billion valuation, uh, ended up having Michael Rubin, Fanatics co-founder, divest his 60% stake. And then they laid a bunch of people off, and then they ended up merging with Palm because Consensus are a, a mutual, a mutual investor, and you know both of their plays were around taking premium and, and uh, IP and making digital property out of them, selling them, and and making a a profit. Very kind of web to rights buying model. And I think why do it as a one business or another if you're doing the exact same thing and have so much intersection and even. Shared investors, it it makes sense for that consolidation to happen, and I think we're going to see a lot, lot more of that. Whether it's marketplaces, whether it's um, you know service providers, like there are so many like no code mint platforms now. I think I just saw Fair XYZ and uh, like launch their own one. So, how many of these agencies, bits of tooling, etc., will we actually need to onboard masses is is a really interesting question yeah, and
1: I, I think are the tools that exist today relevant for the masses as well. Yeah. like yeah, you know, Reddit has done a lot without having any tools um, mm. there. I think on the digital land side of things, I'm a bit more bearish. You know, as we've seen with sort of third web sort of adventures in gaming, you know, there's a lot to be said for using blockchain for digital currencies, in-app purchases, and supporting those mechanics. Like I think that makes perfect sense. And I think, you know, you're going to see more and more um, companies come out with that sort of proxy currency of gold coins or, or sort of floor bucks or sort of anything like that. And I think you know, it just makes more sense to do it on chain. Digital land, show me um, a use case uh, worth a damn and you know, maybe we can talk. You know, I think ENS is interesting and I think just securing your identity there. Is useful. I think it'll be interesting to see after the coming sort of wallet shift and sort of cataclysm whether that's still as relevant or how it adapts um, as sort of the implementation details and sort of how you interact with a wallet maybe change. Um, I'm curious how ENS will be along for that ride. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not buying plots of land by a river in Decentraland or anything like that at this point.
0: I do think the concept of digital land makes sense in the context of like where we all think this thing is heading, whether it's like crypto or like, you know, immersive experiences, NFTs, et cetera, all this kind of stuff or the intersection of them. But like what ended up happening was people just started selling plots of land cut and paste as the same as they would like a PFP project. And I think... There's just not been a suitable model for this stuff that isn't, like, I, I, ju- I don't think the idea of, like, digital scarcity with digital land doesn't make as much sense to me. Uh, if we're thinking about digital being essentially a infinite realm, like, why would we replicate exactly what we have? I, I don't know. There's something around, like, finding some model that's better what we've seen with you know, either Decentraland or, or even, you know, Yuga's drop, like how that's gone so far. I do think there'll be some things that do it a lot better, whether they're like intrinsically linked to games or some other social sphere or like a Sims on steroids, like blah, blah, that kind of thing. But um, I don't think anyone's found even close to the right model.
1: Exactly. I think for land to have value, it needs to mean something, you know, As soon as you bring gaming in there, it starts to make a bit of sense. But, you know, just selling the land right now feels like buying stars. Hey, Pet, go outside tonight, look at the stars, pick one out um, and send me some money. I'll make you a bit of paper
0: that says you own it. Fantastic. I mean, listen, I I think buying stars is a great idea, personally. Great, great present to someone you don't know, man. And it could be Metaverse land in the future. It's a great present. It's a great gesture, but you know
1: you don't see massive speculative economies um, coming up around stars. I,
0: I'm not like bidding someone for Beetlejuice right now. It's because it's because they're not on chain. Clearly, oh. that that is no. That's the actual reason, right? So we should put stars on chain. We can't resell the stars. And like, imagine you own the stars. And like in a thousand years, one of your like great, 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 great great grandchildren inherited that like own star. And we realized that star, like a planet on it with life around it, like near it. I reckon that star, you could, you could sell it for a lot of money. And so on chain stars makes total sense. Look, stars are really illiquid and like unlocking them via the blockchain makes total sense, right?
1: Uh, Cool. So you heard it here, dear listeners. We are going to be minting stars. Um,
0: Follow us on the FloorCast to get your whitelist passes. Yeah, exactly. And uh, give us five stars on any podcast player that you're listening to as well, if you've made it this far. Um, Chris K., uh, a little word on Twitter dying, it seems. Oh, before we go. Uh,
1: We had a Now let's go back to the Web2 world and talk about stupidity. What on earth is going on with Twitter? So they... Announce you need to be logged in to view tweets. That I kind of get, uh,
0: you know, that happens on a lot of platforms. I didn't, I was like, okay, fine.
1: Yeah. I I think the reason is they want to stop like everyone using their data for free to train AI models, a bit like Reddit. Uh, You know, that's fine. It's maybe a bit of an inconvenience once, but then you're good. But then Elon starts going a bit crazy and it's like, okay, well, you know, if you're not paying for Twitter Blue, you can see 200 tweets a day. If, if you're paying for Twitter Blue, it's like 800. And like, what? This is a site that's that mere survival hinges on people being able to view and engage with content. And you're limiting that behavior.
0: It's very weird. Chris K, you know, you're a tech minded man. In a world of LLMs where it seems as though the value accrual is going to get to be even more constrained and pointed toward even fewer businesses that we've seen in like the big tech era, for example. If you're an ad based model on the internet, how do you kind of survive if people are just bypassing your sites firing, you know, like a chat GPT?
1: And so I don't know if it's bypassing via ChatGPT or just... Or any 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 model. Inherently, you have data that is valuable. It's valuable to your communities because it's discussions about topics they care about with people they care about. To OpenAI, it's training data. You feed Reddit into ChatGPT, it gets a better understanding of how to answer questions and builds up its sort of knowledge. Um and it seems like Reddit, Wikipedia, all of these sort of data sources are just rife for training your AI models. I think I would probably take a similar approach to Twitter and Reddit, honestly, where it's like, okay, let's make a path for people to be able to do that. Unfortunately, what Elon and, what's the Reddit guy's name?
0: Sam, Steve. Mm, yeah, they've they've been quite brash in their, uh, in their responses to the public. They've both been like, okay, we're going to sort
1: of uh, restrict our APIs. Now, if you have a Reddit or Twitter app, you need to pay us like quarter of a million dollars per year to continue using it. Like, I mean, that, that's a very heavy-handed way to do it. I think if it was me, I would be thinking about how do I break these sort of different uh, potential buyers into categories? Like you're building an app that shows tweets. Okay, well, you need to register you to pay us, but you don't need to pay us as much as the person scraping the entire timeline and feeding it into an AI. Like, there's ways around that. I I don't know if it's a a very knee-jerk thing um, where, you know, Elon realizes people are profiting off their data. It's like, we need to immediately stop this. And then the Reddit guy is just getting ideas off that. I think there's ways you, you can sort of satisfy both, though. And I think it starts by, like, realizing a sort of Really sort of, um, figure out, you know, where developers add value to your product. If you're open AI and you're taking someone's data, you're not adding any value back because you're basically building a different product based on data from the first product. Whereas if I'm building a Twitter client or Reddit client, then I'm actually adding value, whether that's making it easier for moderators to do their job because my Reddit app is sort of more geared towards that use case or whether it's actually bringing in new people who don't like how this default Twitter app works and they want a bit more control. And uh, neither Twitter or Reddit seem to care about that or have done that. It's very
0: boggling to me. Boggling. I think we could say boggling about a lot of what we've talked about on today's episode. But that's all we've got time for, Chris K. Uh, you can find me at PetBerisha, P-E-T-B-E-R-I-S-H-A on Twitter. You can find us at the Floorcast uh, on Twitter. And you can find Floor, as in the floor you step on, on Twitter as well. Uh, and you can find Chris K at C Cajonan on Twitter whenever it's working. Just remember that none of what we said today or on any Floorcast episode is financial advice, just great advice. And we'll have more content for you and potentially Stars on Chain and potentially Podcasts on Chain next week.